Dracula dreams in his coffin's slumber, whilst a man creeps through his castle. It is 1503, the height of the Italian Renaissance, and a young Venetian named Ludovico sneaks down the darkened halls. He has heard rumors of a nameless evil, a fluttering of bats across the conquered lands of Wallachia. The Turks tell of terrors in the night, screams and howling women. No one goes near the castle. People still remember the forest of stakes. Hey everybody, welcome back to Stories Are My Way Home podcast. I've got a story today that I hope you'll enjoy. And if you like this one or any other of my stories, then please consider leaving a five-star review and telling your friends about the show. I'd really appreciate it. And now, let's go back to 1503, where the sun sets over Transylvanian lands. Drip, drop, drip, drop. The blood slides down the veined marble. It pools in a little lake on the floor. I watch as my lovely brides, my Mireise, lift their gowns and bend down to drink. Their throats are white in the castle gloom. The newest one, Daciana, is thirstiest. She was the beauty of her village, but she wasted away from consumption, coughing into her stained smock while chores went neglected. I gave her another life, away from death and disease and despair. Now she is free to wander the dark. Under eye of owl and breeze of bat, her undead feet walk amidst the ferns. I think she makes friends with the wolves. As if to answer my dream's call, they begin their howling, a chorus, a beautiful transgression against the sin of life. I don't miss it. The bloody fields, the sobbing of my men as the whites of the Turks' eyes flashed under a hot Wallachian sun. I don't miss the spikes, the bodies and gore, the dinner parties on the fields of woe. What I do miss is the music, the strumming, and the red faces of the girls spinning. I miss the beating heart of Europe. Now I am voivode of nothing but mist. The dream mutates from my castle, and now I am flying. Black pinioned wings grazing the cool dark. The summer is as sweet as Christian lands. As I soar, I hear a thousand voices from people still living. Their prayers to a bedside god. Their folk ramblings. The buxom old wives and their stories. But I fly on, past the valleys of my homeland across the rocky cut of the Carpathians. Ahead is Ottoman lands. His lands. Mehmet the Conqueror, who dethroned great Byzantine Constantinople, who took my brother and me hostage when we were but children. 
when our swinging legs couldn't reach the floor. His legacy I spit out, like lukewarm water, like cold blood. I defeated him on the night fields of Targovishta. I impaled 23,000 of his men. The forest he had to ride through to get to me. But it is no matter now. I sleep soundly, sometimes drunk on fermented blood. Better than the best Spanish or French wines. My bat wings flap on farther east. But there is a place there in my dreams that calls me. A song from an unknown land. Every time I retire to my coffin and dream, I hear it. It haunts me. It rips me from the thread of unlife, from my darkened castle, from my brides. What is it? Who sings this mournful song? I must know. I must know or go mad. But every time I fly to the source of the haunting melody, I am woken prematurely. I am denied the sight of the singer. The faint lyrics I can hear tell a story of some nameless group of wanderers, a one-legged goddess from Indus, who found redemption in a three-word prayer, a traveling scribe from Egypt scrawling his spells in soft river clay, a blue-eyed Varangian at the edge of the frozen world. The singer croons that this group is but pieces of the old one, pieces of the first blood lapper, the first servant of night. Some unknown need, some unknown want, pulls me toward this ancient one. Perhaps it knows I am hanging by a fraying tapestry thread, the art of immortality weak within me. But I do not know what it wants, why the music invokes the old one's name, why it tells me of its broken parts. And so, I flit and fly, further to the red-yoked east. I need to look upon this singer with my own undead pupils. In the land of dreams, I have to know. Ludovico wiped his brow. Beads of sweat threatened to slide, markers of his fear and foreboding. He carried a flickering torch down a darkened and derelict corridor. His hands grazed the castle walls. The castle of Count Dracula. Each step matched the thundering in his heart and proclaimed on these lifeless stones his journey, his final fulfillment of the great search. Astrigoi was near he knew it. He had spent a week in a small camp just outside the village preparing himself. Reading over his manuscripts and the ancient book by the famed alchemist Khalid ibn Yazid. He had found the tome in the dusty bowels of a secret Constantinople library. The little palace of books was hidden under a rug merchant's shop, only discernible by the thin seam of a trapdoor that had been smoothed and varnished over the centuries. His older brother Vittorio would be proud. Looking down from heaven with a subtle smile on his otherwise unreadable face, 
They had been brothers of the secret languages, brothers of the dust, until something in the night came and took him. That was three years and three thousand florins ago. Now, in this strange country, it was up to him to find answers, to pack the hole in his heart with knowledge. He stumbled into the village near the Argesh River. It seemed to laugh at him as it ran snaking through the green valley. It was a week past midsummer, and the heat lingered well into the hazy dusk. He bought sundry foodstuffs and supplies, before asking the local alderman the best path to Castle Ponari. The gray-haired man just shook his head violently. No, sir. No, sir. There, there is nothing for you there. Just the wind. Do not go. I beg you. Ludovico would not have it. He made to follow the river. The peasants whispered holy psalms over him and cried with toothless mouths their superstitious prayers. But Ludovico had come so far. From Venice to Constantinople, he had hunted the whispers and rumors of fathomless horrors. Skeletons impaled on pikes, their white bones but chimes in the wind, the fluttering of untold bats across Wallachian lands, and fragments of stories. The Turks told of terrors in the night, screams, and the howling of women. No one dares go near Castle Ponari, for people have been disappearing as of late. Rosy-faced children, young maids, and even wise elders with a thousand wrinkles, all had left their homes and walked into the wilderness as if they had heard church bells. But Ludovico knew, from the accounts and investigations that trickled down, they did not hear the holy vespers. They were snatched in the night by demons of dark, the Strigoi, the vampire. There is nothing for you there, only the wind. Only the thin hiss of wind greeted him as he walked deeper into the valley. Ludovico knew that it was the dread memory of the Impaler that frightened the locals. His harsh sense of justice. Indeed, his presence lay thick about the area, like the funeral spirit of a fading family. Even the wind seemed to whisper, Vlad Dracul, son of the dragon. During his reading of the great Ibn Yazid, he came across scrawls in a fast and anxious hand. They spoke of the birth of creatures, transmutations from human bodies, and some ancient evil that crawls over the land. The passages also spoke of an amulet to protect against the bloodthirsty revenants. It took three months' detour in Egypt to obtain one, but it was worth it, for the devil never rests. The ancient metal was now warm against Ludovico's skin. He walked down the corridor, torch raised. The last of the sun's light speared through a broken window. Despite the amulet, his heart pounded. A presence lingered here. A creeping feeling of being watched. Ludovico could not help it and turned to look behind him. The end of the hall was empty. Relief tingled in his veins. He twisted back and that's when he saw it. 
two yellow eyes appear in the dark, blink, and then disappear. Who's there? He called in his frantic dread. Soft footsteps ran away, the sound of them dying. Then he thought he heard an almost imperceptible laugh, a woman's. But it was so quiet he couldn't be sure. He gripped the torch with a sweating palm and made his way down the corridor. His legs were as soft as royal pudding. His mind wavered, then rallied. Steady man, steady man. You are like Daniel in the den of long fangs. With your faith and amulet, nothing can hurt you. But as he made his way to the end of the hall, he recoiled. For there on the walls, lit by his torch, was a macabre painting of death. A grim scene of terror. Blood spatters all down the sides. Even the moth-eaten tapestries were stained in their gore. What carnage had happened here? What desecration? Ludovico made the sign of the cross and gathered himself. But the tingling now gave way to an icy fear. Nothing but breathless silence. He called out to whatever mistress of evil haunted the dark. I I am of the order of St. Michael, under the aegis of our Lord and Savior. Your fangs are useless, devil. Then a long and defiantly audible laugh echoed from somewhere close by. It seemed to be in front of him and then behind. Ludovico turned this way and that, looking for the Strigoi. He pulled his brother's sword, modified with a half-charred stake affixed to the end. If she came within his torchlight, her soul would answer to God. But nothing came. Only the dead sound of gliding hem on castle floors, the howling of wolves from somewhere in the night-laden valley, and the accursed beat of his unsteady heart. Then, an ethereal wind blew, and his torch went out. Ludovico panicked and ran to the end of the corridor. He sprinted down steps as the darkness enveloped him. The feminine laughs were coming from above now, and below. There were multiple Strigoi here. He felt the air cool as something flew past him. No time for prayers, no time for hesitation. He kept going down and down, hands feeling the cracked balustrade as he went. Then Ludovico stopped. The hair on the back of his neck stood on end. Vampires loved when this happened in humans, made the blood so much sweeter. In front of him, at the bottom of the stairs was a shadow, blacker than the rest of the black, an outline with crimson eyes. Another laugh came from above. He looked up. Hanging from the high, vaulted ceiling was another shadow, yellow eyes. Ludovico was almost sick with fear. He swallowed bile and clutched dear Vittorio's staked sword. He held it out while his other hand tore at his chest, hunting for the stolen amulet. A hoarse voice came from the figure in front of him. Shall we feed, sisters? No, 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 it is for him to drink first, the hanging one said. Ludovico couldn't move. He was as frozen as a bad winter. The dark figure came closer, and his sword shook harder than his knees. Stay back, monster, stay back! 
The laughs allulated in mirth and delight. Lord, save me, Ludovico stammered. He made the sign of the cross, and the howls of the women turned to hisses. The shadow in front of him seemed to glide upwards, and Ludovico took this chance to run. He got to the bottom of the stairs and smashed into a wall. He felt his nose break, and tiny stars like village lights poked through the blackness of his vision. Then, a warm gush like a Romanian river, and he knew the blood was pouring down. His breath caught in his throat as half-century-old torches lit in their wall sconces. He craned his neck and saw not one, not two, but three young women hanging from the ceiling, upside down with flowing blonde and brown hair. They were dressed in traditional Romanian garb, white silk zadis, with stains of dried blood down them. They smiled and winked at him, then laughed girlishly. Ludovico staggered. He had dropped his sword on the stairs. Where was it? Then, as if to answer, one of the upside-down brides of Dracula waved his brother's Venetian sword from above. She pulled off the stake and it turned to ash in her hands. Blood was pouring out of his nose, and the bride's eyes gleamed. He tore off down another stair before he could be dinner. He dared not stop to look behind him, yet the spiral stairs seemed to go on forever. Any longer and he knew he would be feasted upon. The howling of the wolves and the moaning of the women did not let up. At the bottom, the air changed. It was deep and dusty and hidden. Secrets lived here, the only things that could. This must be the dungeons of Castle Dracula, he thought. Red firelight flickered as Ludovico struggled to the end of the walkway. His legs cramped and nausea turned his stomach. Blood dripped from his nostrils and into his quivering lips. It tasted of iron and fear. A yellow door loomed and he made his way toward it. Something compelled him there some curious desire for revenge or closure. With a shaking hand, he pushed open the heavy door, afraid of the brides coming up from behind him. He entered the room and closed the door as fast as he could. In the disappearing crack, he saw the women in the blood-stained gowns at the end of the dungeon hall, smiling. Ludovico looked for something to brace it, but the room held nothing. Nothing but carved and whittled spikes, human bones, and in the center, an ornate gold sarcophagus standing upright, standing on end just like the fine white hairs of his arms. On the outside were deep scratches in the painted wood, marks in the native script. Ludovico knew enough to read what they said. Run, run, run far away, cry for God, Flee for all that is holy. Ludovico heard the door behind him and knew this was it. He made his way to the sarcophagus and reached out with a trembling hand. Then he froze. A song seemed to be coming from inside. A beautiful melody in an ancient tongue. Confused, he pulled his hand back. He waited for the brides to sink their fangs into his neck 
but instead, the great coffin began to creak and open. Ludovico stifled a scream. A young man with black eyes and blood dribbling down his chin smiled slowly. Dracula was awake. Ludovico knew he would never see his brother in the afterlife. He knew what he was to the undead. His profession now. The first servant. I hope you guys like this little tale of vampires. Dracula's shadow indeed looms large over much of the monster stories of today. Although I'd have to double-check the lore to see if he even would cast a shadow. Next time, there's a story of a father leading his boy through the woods to a secret place. A place forgotten by the roads of time. Fathers, sons, legends, and family all mix in this little tale. I hope you'll tune in. Thanks again for listening.